And what that does is it triggers the greatest transfer of wealth that humankind has ever seen. Welcome to this latest edition of Sense of Identity. I'm delighted to be able to uh, interview today David Newick, the CEO of Ark and Legal. Um, David and I have been introduced to each other on a few occasions and we thought it would be great to get some insight for David around his experiences. So welcome, firstly, David, to uh, this uh, podcast. Wow, um, thank you. Brilliant to be here. Looking forward <laughs> to what I think is going to be a great discussion. Paul, and you're right, we've had a beer or two together and uh, met at the odd function, so uh, wonderful to be here. Yeah, great. Thank you for joining us. Now, um, Emily added in a few little extra notes here, as she always does for me, bless our marketing director. Um, she she sort of put a subheading around our sense of identity piece, which was mindset to change, digitizing an analog world, which which is a which is a good statement because just just if I may, in my crude way, and I'm going to hopefully make sure you do most of the talking here. Um, Arkin, as far as I understand, you know, is one of those exceptions to the rules. And in, in, as far as I understand, you have a presence not only in the UK, but in international waters. In my experience, financial services in the UK has been a bit poor in terms of anglicising in the opposite direction, technology. Um, and, and, and I know you're very prevalent in the legal market, particularly around the topic of bereavement, as far as I understand. So, yes. uh, and and and. and when I've watched a few of the podcasts that you, you've run, David, there's a phrase you've used uh, very eloquently around a, a topic which makes a lot of sense, this great wealth transfer, which I think is very re you know, resonates in the context of the topics that Arkin, um, Arkin deals with for, for, for you know, a, a lot of legal practices. Before we move into that, just to explain the background. So, because of course, you know, as a as a Kiwi, if I may say, you know, <laughs> you, yes. you know, I know you're a passionate New Zealander, Maybe if I can start somewhere. So, how did how did David land on on UK shores from New Zealand? You know, uh, and, and when was that? What's the story of that journey in the first place, if I may? Well, there's a lot of interconnectivity, isn't there, between New Zealand and the UK? And I guess my story is is no different. My grandmother was Welsh. Uh, I have uh, ancestors from Cornwall and Somerset, and uh, uh, some a uh, little bit of Scottish in me as well, but. Uh, I, I get to stay here courtesy of my mother who immigrated from Wales uh, when she was nine. And uh, as a result, I came over, uh, as all young Kiwis do, uh, unusually. I was one of the young Kiwis that came across after I was married. And uh, we did three years, went back to New Zealand and uh, uh, had our firstborn, Bridget, and uh, then set about um, starting a business and inevitably, as you know, you know, um, you go through the cycle of starting and selling businesses and doing all sorts of things in your, in your professional career. And uh, after a period of time where I bought and sold a couple of different businesses and um, and uh, done two or three startups, I got to a stage where New Zealand, a wonderful, beautiful place, uh, all my friends and family are there. But uh, I needed to spread my wings. I needed something different. I needed to get out of New Zealand and professionally to to, to go and uh, and look for for bigger opportunities and and bigger markets. And I had a a, a lunch with a good mate of mine, and uh, he said, "What are you doing?" David? I said, "Well, you know, I'm thinking I might get 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 a job overseas." And you could see the light bulb going off in his brain, and he went, "Well, <laughs> we might be looking for somebody," and uh, that was. A wonderful friend called Lincoln Watson, and he was um, the uh, leader of a business which owned uh, Arkin, and they just acquired it in 2016, and the uh, directors were sunsetting out of the business, 
uh, having originally founded it back in 1992. And I was uh, brought in to uh, to transform and, and lead that business uh, from 2018. So would wow. you believe five years, which has gone by in the blink of an eye, thanks yeah. for that, but um, yeah. uh, 1st of February. And uh, we're hoping the anniversary. Yeah, we're hoping to get uh, indefinitely for remain any day now. So you might be stuck with me, Paul. We might have to have one more, one one or two more beers. I'm afraid. Well, yeah, I'm always up for that, as everyone will know. But so, so it's, and, and in terms of Arkin's core sort of competencies, because I know things are branching out for you, you know, for, for good reason. I mean, I understand there's a swathe of legal practices that use the Arkin technology to. Uh, help around this sort of subject of bereavement, you know, particularly mm-hmm. as there were some interesting stats that would be, I think, Warren, repeat if you can recall any of them around the this wealth transfer and the, just the sheer volume of that over the coming years. Of course, in the UK, and you know, and, and that professional services connection for software, you know, a lot of the UK advisory market has grown up a lot uh, over, over the years and warrants its own inclusion in that phrase, professional services. So it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense to me that you know, from a financial point of view and a legal point of view, those bodies, those entities need to be able to work together. What, what is it that you, you, perhaps if you could explain what it is that you do in that sector and how that transfers for the advisory market? I think I think that'd be useful to the, the audience to understand. Yeah, sure. So Arkin is a business founded in 1992 by two private client solicitors and uh, one of the very first legal tech businesses ever in the UK. In fact, number two, I'm led to believe. So um, the the business uh, grew and grew, and really that was in and around a a core proposition of helping to automate uh, repetitive tasks to reduce risk, to make things more efficient, to ensure that things were a lot more consistent in uh, every aspect of creating documentation, which is, of course, what lawyers do. And, of course, the parallel there with the financial services industry is that there's a heck of a lot of documentation in financial services as well. And uh, there's also a heck of a lot of manual process, a lot of rewriting and re-entering of data, not a lot of kind of seamless transition, which leads to inefficiencies and frustrations. And so there's there's a lot of parallels between the legal services industry and the financial services industry in in that respect, albeit that I think probably the financial services industry is is further ahead because there's some very large organisations that are driving the adaptation uh, and and the digitisation of the uh, of the industry, whereas you don't so much get that in legal services. So uh, our core business is to uh, help legal services professionals, mostly lawyers, uh, to to, uh, automate documentation and to be more efficient holistically in the practice. So we we help practitioners create wills, uh, LPAs, uh, any sort of estate planning documentation, trust documentation. Uh, So uh, we have an online wills package and there's all sorts of sort of efficiency tools that surround that. But one of the things that, that you've touched on there, Paul, which is uh, a, a really significant change that we're that we're in now, which is only going to accelerate and intensify over the next uh, twenty to thirty years, is the the change that we're seeing in the baby boomer cohort, which is of course one of the largest population bubbles ever in the world, um, matched only by the millennials. Actually, would you believe mm. in terms of size? And uh, the uh, the baby boomers are now the oldest baby boomer is seventy six. Now. Right. Uh, the average life expectancy in the UK is 81.7 years, and for males, it's 78. 
So what we're starting to see is we're starting to see that the baby boomers are starting to reach the stage where they're starting to pass on. And uh, actually, if you looked at it just in a UK context, and you looked at the uh, increase in the death rate from 2020 to 2030, the ONS tells us that um, uh, you're going to have something like 627, uh, sorry, 667,000, no, 600, oh my God, I'll stop that up completely full. Let's go again. The ONS tells us that there are going to be uh, an increase in deaths. Now, typically we've had 500 to 550,000 deaths per year. What's going to increase is that we're going to get to 675,000 deaths. So that's, if you think of it over a 10-year period, the population is about 67 million, about 10% of the UK population. Now that's driven a lot by the baby boomers. And, and what that does is it triggers the greatest transfer of wealth that humankind has ever seen, because of course the baby boomers have been very fortunate in a uh, rising property market, um, uh, low interest rates, um, a lot of industrialization, and so wealth has been, been accumulated. And I saw, I saw a stat or listened to a stat you, you'd given in a speech you gave, it, it, I, and I, I think this is what you said, but just a, this, is it 70% of the wealth in the UK is now with the over 50s population, which is just reasserts the point you just made. So it, it's just extraordinary, isn't it? Oh, look, it is extraordinary. And, and uh, you know, when you think about in in pounds and pence, we're talking about a truly staggering amount of money, Five point five trillion pounds is going to transition. Now, that will transition to um, typically the the wives, because the males tend to, um, statistically speaking, die sooner. Um, then it'll transition to Gen X and millennial generations. And of course, the, the uh, influence on that on both the legal services and the financial services world is quite profound, because uh, there's an increase in death, so that means more probate work. Uh, it yeah. means a, a need for greater efficiencies. It means uh, that there's uh, a lot more that needs to be done in terms of uh, digitizing the legal services industry. And of course, the outcome for the financial services industry is that there's existential risk, but also opportunity, because uh, who gets that wealth? Yeah. How, how does that yeah. wealth transition? And sitting at the half heart of that inheritance is an estate plan. So. Yeah. You need to, if you're somebody who's an advisor, and whether that be a mortgage advisor or anybody who might sort of have a conversation with somebody about wealth or succession planning or planning typically holistically, you need to be able to go and say to people, have you got an estate plan? Because you need to have one. Now, yeah. the benefit for the advisor is, of course, in maintaining that portfolio and having a relationship beyond just the existing relationship that you might have with somebody who is, um, you know, perhaps uh, in the older age group, and then maybe they're more um, statistically yeah. likely to pass away. So seeing through into that beneficiary sound again, that was something else that resonated when I looked at some of the video snippets. An interesting topic. I mean, again, we, we, we chatted very briefly before this this recording, and. Um, you know, uh, financial services, in fairness, is not renowned for its pace, shall we say, digitally. I think COVID, you know, we were chatting there's some interesting stories at a more personal level we'll come on to around the COVID impact. And we saw 
you know, e- email, that love-hate relationship we have with it. We, we saw, you know, the usage of it, uh, the propensity of usage of it to soar when people were working, living at home and, and, and locked behind doors, et cetera. Do, do you think you've seen and will see change? It would make absolute sense, wouldn't it, uh, given the stats you've just given? But in in, in uh, the legal sector, I guess, focusing there, um, their use of te- technology and digitisation, I guess it's the only way they can cope, is it? Yeah, look, we're starting to see that already. And, and let's just take a step back and look at that because the, there's a couple of barriers historically to that uh, not happening. Now, um, part of that has been because uh, typically the way that decisions have been made within law firms has been uh, on a partnership basis and the senior partner, who's typically somebody who's in the older age group, not always, but typically, um, has been less likely to embrace technology because they've worked in a certain way for a number of years. And so culturally, decision-making within uh, law firms has been really um, uh, fraught, particularly around technology and the adaptation of it, by this kind of cultural um, uh, issue. The the other thing that's happening, though, is that now we're starting to see the baby boomers retire from practice. And and what's happening is you're getting this influence of younger lawyers and legal services professionals saying, well, hey, you know, my time's really important to me and I'm not going to sit there doing a lot of repetitive tasks. So I'm only going to go and work for an organisation that's actually on technology. So if you don't have the technology, I'm not coming, you know, because uh, that makes my life better and, and easier. So we're starting to see that that change starting to happen. And look, I think the other thing that's happening too is that we can't get around the fact that uh, whilst there's more business, uh, there is also a... Um, an influence of COVID because people have seen now that technology can work, that you can work from home and you can uh, do yeah. video calls with people and you can be a lot more efficient. And so that's that's certainly had an influence regardless of, of age group. I think people have uh, have, have used technology. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably true, isn't it, of, of, of legal services and um, and the financial services world as, as, as well. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and, and I think, I mean, this is testament to that, isn't it, really? I mean, you know, I still personally think, I think there'll always be a place for that personal contact, but I think there's a blend now that's accepted, isn't there? You know, uh, COVID, yeah, you never thought before COVID that, you know, this technology existed well before COVID and yet, you know, suddenly we were all over to leap on it and it proliferated and it's persisted, the work from home culture, all those things. But from an education point of view, I guess, I mean, do, do you, do you, there's a phrase I know people use, I'll be careful to use the expletives, but if you digitise a poor process, we'll call it, um, you know, it's still a poor process. Yes. So so do you think people, as a consequence of having to deal with some of the dynamics you're talking about, are much more receptive to, to using tech? It sounds like they are. I mean, you, you've seen a, an increase in that side of things. Yeah. Look, and I think it's, it's, it's also a lot easier now, isn't it, to adapt technology? I mean, the predominant technology is cloud-based. Obviously, Arkin is a cloud-based platform. And, um, and uh, as such, you tend to have a... Uh, a platform that is used by everybody. Um, it's not something that needs to be customized. It's not something that needs to be built. You just kind of rent it or, or subscribe to it. And yeah. use it, you know? So uh, really easy to implement. All you're going to do is decide, hey, yeah, that, that makes absolute sense and we're going to do it. The hardest bit for a firm is just making sure that they do drive its adaptation uh, throughout the business. And if I look at legal services firms, and it's probably the same in all firms, you're going to get the people going, yeah, I want it. And you're going to get the people go, oh, I could be persuaded. And you're going to get the people who say, I'm never going to use that in my life. And um, and firms that have done best with it are now 
uh, to our perspective, are the people who say, you're all using it. Because as a firm, we need to get this efficiency. We need to get this consistency. We need to make sure that we understand that everybody's working off the same page. And as the, the, the business grows and grows and grows and grows and grows, we have to make sure that, our, that we've got access to the critical thing, which is data. And we can't get yeah. access to your data if you're using word-based precedents and you're yeah, yeah. saying on your, on your computer. And, and time, I guess, as well, you know, I mean, you know, time is a very precious commodity to us. So we'll talk about something on that front in a minute that you, you mentioned, which I thought was fascinating. Um, but, you know, technology, hopefully what it does do is creates the opportunity to create time, you know, not just for you, for the user of the technology, but for the people that benefit from the practices that are, you know, uh, uh, embracing technology to make their their, their, their process is more efficient. So it, it doesn't feel like there's any losers. So it, you know, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah. It, just in terms of that COVID of, of, of effect. So we were chatting just again, slightly back to the personal David piece. You mentioned you'd written a book for your kids during mm -hmm. COVID, which I thought was fascinating because I think everyone reassessed their lives during that period. Um, you went as far as to write down, I think you said a hundred a hundred things to tell my children. A hundred life lessons. Um, tell, right. tell us a little bit. Tell us a little bit about that because that was that sounds interesting. Yeah. So look, the, the backstory, um, which I don't mind my sharing, is that um, I, I was an early adopter to, to COVID, shall we say? Um, yeah. So um, I picked it up uh, before we went into lockdown. The week before we went into lockdown, and um, and well, I was pretty sick. And um, and at one point there, I suddenly realised. Oh, I am pretty sick. I wasn't just being sick, man, Paul. I swear I was sick. Yeah, with a man play. One man play. Yeah. And uh, I actually picked up my phone and went to record some video messages for my kids because I, I thought I may never see them again. And I wanted to say, these are the things that I want to tell you that I haven't had the chance to do so yet. And so it's this moment of kind of great reflection for me. And obviously came through the COVID thing eventually. And um, my kids were coming over and in uh in 2022 uh first time seeing them in three and a half years and and uh, i thought what, what would be a special thing you know to kind of mark this moment and what 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 how could i kind of capture that that thought that i had when i was you know yeah. lying in bed and so i wrote this book um it is called things to tell my children um and it was really uh it actually got to 105 life lessons holistically right across every aspect of life you could ever imagine, you know, how to get the best deal when you're negotiating to, you know, um, how to keep yourself, um, uh, your mental health in good shape and uh, uh, how to uh, be, be uh, power, harness the power of your mind and to, to be successful and uh, to not kind of take too much notice of what the world around you thinks. So I gave that to them. And they weren't too bothered, to be honest, Paul. Um, so <laughs> they read it. Oh, they read it. <laughs> but it was but it was brilliant for me, you know. So um, I, I enjoy it thoroughly. Uh, so I do enjoy writing, and uh, and and I have some plans for um, for some further books. Um, there's oh, cool. if I ever get I'm, any time, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure the time when that will really resonate. You know, that like, later on when they're looking in on this and and reading those things. I just, yeah, I, I, yeah, a, a number of people have sort of spoken about the fact that COVID had some quite profound effects on them, not just in a negative health way, but you know, the way they conduct business, what we've already been talking about, their receptiveness to doing things differently, more efficiently, so that their work-life balance is better. I know you're a big advocate, as we are here, you know, this this business, and I know you said the same, is it's people, the technology is great, I know yours is the same. 
but actually the value you know the, the business itself thrives on on great people um so you know Absolutely. mental that mental health theme is is just such a prevalent one isn't it just, just talking again about the, the personal David piece because I can't help but I was talking before about your your football your football shirt in the background there. I know you, yes. I think you I think you still you coach in a big way. What you didn't tell my colleague when you were chatting was that you, you were involved in uh, you know in a big way with with one of the biggest clubs in New Zealand. I think you you mentioned to me which is the shirt you've got down there behind you. Tell tell us a bit more. Well, there's a connection to the shirt behind me. The shirt behind me is is Burton Albion, but um, yes, like I um, I ran the most successful club in New Zealand for um, a number of years and only had to give it up because I came across to, to the UK. So um, we have won more national titles, mostly at a youth level, but also uh, won the equivalent of the FA Cup in New Zealand, the Chatham Cup twice. Um, uh, did, did that for the first time in, in the club's 53-year tenure um, under my watch, which I was uh, immensely proud of. In fact, on my desk, I have a photo of that day. That's how much it means to me. And Fantastic. Um, and so football is is really important to me. Um, all sports are important to me, but football is really important to me uh, because of a number of things. One of those is particularly because of its impact and the power of it that it can have inside communities. So yeah. you can bring communities together. You can provide aspirational pathways for kids who, who desperately need it. And so the connection with the uh, Burton Albion Jaddy jersey uh, behind me is that when we were running that club, we had a uh, wonderful goalkeeper. In fact, Oceania goalkeeper of the decade, I think he was, uh, Danny Robinson, ex-Burton old boy. And he left um, after coaching the uh, football ferns, the New Zealand um, uh, women's football side. And he left to, to go back to Burton and to head up their academy. And uh, I um, connected with them again when I got back over to, to, to the UK. One thing leads to another, went to watch his academy team uh, play and um, we ended up uh, sponsoring them because there was a story that really, uh, really grabbed me. And that was uh, of uh, a particular family, a particular lad who really has a chance. Um, he was a, uh, a kid from with a solo mum and uh, there was nine kids in the family and um, he lived in Birmingham and uh, he just needed a little bit of help to get to training and to have, you know, shin pads and things like that. And uh, yeah. and so uh, for an organisation like us, you know, what's a few grand, you know, yeah. and, and yet two, two kids and there's, you know, there's, there's, there's a number of them, a few hundred quid a year for petrol money or for training fees or whatever else can can make um, the make difference. And, and that's the power of football. And that's what I love about it, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, look, I still coach. Um, I think it'll be my last year this year. The, the, the lads are turning 18, so they're going to all splinter off and do their own thing. Um, we're on for the double, so hopefully we can get that done, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, and I love that because it, you get an opportunity to to help young men uh, be be the best version of themselves to to learn lessons through sport that they can take with them into later life. So it's not just about, you know, hey, uh, you know, this is how to hit a knuckleball and this is where to stand, this is what to do. And, you know, it's yeah. it's it's as much about uh, taking the lessons of football into yeah. life and making yeah. better young men or better young women if you if you uh, help coach uh, uh, women as well. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and it's uh, like you say, resonates, and, and and I know it's a it's a it's a mental attitude in your business as well. I'm, I'm going to jump 
jump backwards and forwards a little bit here because there's one question I was like to finish up with our personal level, which I'll come back to. But just quickly going back to that sort of whole sector of you know the technology adoption and wealth transfer and all those things. Be, I think given that the, 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 a goodly chunk of the community that will see this are in financial services, I think there, there was a, an initiative that you were underway with in that technology, you know, in your suite to, to accompany the pro and lifetime um, uh, aspects of the product, uh, Estgrow. That's right. And, and is, that, is, that, is that particularly focused around um, uh, the advisory market? You know, perhaps you could enlighten us a little bit around that, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, look, it's absolutely focused on the advisory market. So one of the things that, that we've identified is that uh, legal services and financial services don't really kind of cohabit or exist in any one space um, other than and a very informal one. So there might be relationships people have with, you know, friends at the golf club or whatever. But um, increasingly, as we start to look at some of the, the stats that exist around the world, with millennials going to inherit a whole lot of wealth, but millennials only have... 25% of them have an estate plan. <laughs> there's there's uh, Gen Xers who are the next kind of generation who also aren't highly represented. In fact, only 40% of people in the UK do have an estate plan, and yet all this wealth is going to be um, transferred. And uh, if you look at, say, this through a financial services uh, or an advisory event, I get that, you know, because uh, whilst you might want to be interested in offering a holistic customer service, you, you're nervous about a few things. You'd be nervous about your customer relationship and losing or damaging that in any way. You'd be nervous about uh, having to put time in to become an expert in a field that is um, adjacent to what you're doing instead of the core of what you're doing. You'd be nervous about having to pick up even more administration and even more yeah. kind of re-keying of data. And, uh, and frankly, it's not something that they want to then kind of deliver a service on because uh, it, it gets away from core business. So with all of that in mind, what we've done with escrow is to bring the legal services world and the financial services world together. And uh, escrow is a, um, a digital platform that is, uh, enables an advisor to access uh, a world-class estate planning simply by sending their customer a link. That's as right. much as they have to do. Uh, and it controls the whole journey from there uh, and uh, ensures that they get full visibility, full control of who is delivering the service, uh, where their customer is at with that, and uh, then helps to demystify some of these uh, problems that are created by the, the great wealth transfer. So that's... That's, I don't mind saying, uh, that's a, a global product, Paul. Um, we've got discussions going on, uh, won't surprise you, in New Zealand. Fancy that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, also in South Africa and, uh, of course, here in, uh, in the UK. And so um, that is uh, something we're really, really excited about bringing to, to market. And we're not very far away from from doing that. That uh, watch the space, and I know we'll yeah. talk we'll hear a bit more about that. I mean, it's uh, it's interesting, is it? Whenever um, you know, I've been involved with the financial services market a long time, and you know, when people talk about someone's statement of the truth in terms of their estate, you know, their their will, you know, um, 
tends to be you know that you know because at the end of the day it's the basis under which their estate will be dealt with etc so it makes so much sense as a as a catalyst to get to know your client to be frank with you you know the compulsions around that interestingly it came to me a minute ago but in speaking to a, 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 a legal practice where, where, where we have a, an interaction some time ago um there was a, a slight reticence to you know, go through and, and register wills. So, you know, in, in, in terms of so, you know, ensuring that those wills are found at the right time. And and when I asked the question why, they said, well, because when we interact with our customers, they interact with us in droves very quickly, and we can't cope with it. So so in, it, it just occurred to me that again, this is another reason why you know technology has to be able to step in and assist around that stuff, or else or else you know traditional processes and practices are just going to fall foul when when the customer really needs something to happen and and, and to be done. You know, it, it just makes sense but yeah no I, I get it um just 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 given i know we've been talking now for incredibly half an hour it seems they're very easy when you're chatting away to this stuff so one of the questions i always like to ask guests on this session because this is a bit bit selfish but i've i've, I've got some pr profound insight for myself and my, and my own boys if you actually wrote a book with a hundred tips for your kids around things they should be thinking about lessons and, and their life lessons so it's a bit hot, a bit nasty to do this, but if if you um if you were called upon to give your younger self a bit of advice, a tip, if you could pick out one, I might give you the latitude of a couple. Is that you know what 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 would be what would be the one that would come to mind for you? Don't limit your ambition. You are capable of so so much more than you believe. Anything is possible. Anything yes. with positivity with energy and belief. That's a, that's a good one. That, that, I, I won't ask you for another one because I think that, that feels like the perfect place to, 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 to draw this to a close. That's okay with you. Really, really grateful, David, for you uh, coming on, on this session because I know Thank you. Uh, I, I try not to dig too deep on this stuff. It's nice to actually get to know the people behind the businesses because I think people like to see that. So thanks so much for your time. Uh, looking forward to working with you more in the future. And uh, yeah, thanks again for doing this for us. Well, thank you, Paul. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully we might get to record another one. And uh, yeah, look forward to, to future business dealings. Perfect. Cheers again, David. Thanks for that. Right. Thanks, Paul.